Welcome to Clinical Pearls. Hi, welcome to the podcast. In this session, we're going to cover the FIGO 2018 updated guidelines regarding endometrial carcinoma. Endometrial cancer represents the sixth most common malignant disorder worldwide. In terms of gynecological malignancies, it actually is the most common type. An estimated 320,000 new cases of endometrial carcinoma are diagnosed annually here in the U.S., Obesity and physical inactivity are two interrelated major risk factors, especially in high-income countries. Specifically, elevated estrogen levels are known to be the most likely cause of the increased risk of endometrial cancer for postmenopausal obese women. Conversely, physical activity and long-term use of continuous combined estrogen progestin therapy are associated with a reduced risk of endometrial cancer. Interestingly, obesity is associated with earlier age at diagnosis and with the endometrioid type of endometrial cancer. This is also called type 1 endometrial carcinoma. Similar associations were not observed with non-endometrioid cancers, otherwise known as type 2 endometrial cancers. This is consistent with different pathways of tumor genesis between the endometrioid variety and the non-endometrioid variety. Endometrioid adenocarcinoma, again, that's called type 1, progresses through a pre-malignant phase of intraepithelial endometrial neoplasia. Other histological types like serous and clear cell carcinoma, remember those are called type 2 cancers, arise as a result of a sequence of genetic mutations. Mutations in the tumor suppressor p53 gene have been shown to play a pivotal role in serous endometrial carcinoma. All right, now that we've laid down that framework, let's come back and talk about the pathophysiology of endometrial cancer. Cancer of the corpus uteri is usually referred to as endometrial cancer, which usually arises from the epithelial lining of the uterine cavity. Its first local extension is into the myometrium. The lymphatic system of the corpus uteri is formed by three main lymphatic chains, the utero-ovarian, the parametrial, and the presacral lymphatic drainage system. These collectively drain into the hypogastric, external iliac, common iliac, presacral, and eventually into the paraaortic nodes. Direct metastasis to the paraaortic lymph nodes are uncommon, however, without going through this lymphatic drainage chain. The vagina, ovaries, and the lungs are the most common metastatic sites. Symptoms of endometrial cancer are typically related to abnormal vaginal bleeding, with pre-surgical diagnosis being given by endometrial biopsy. After a histopathological diagnosis of endometrial adenocarcinoma, other factors must be assessed. These include the local extent of the tumor, evidence of metastatic disease, as well as a perioperative risk. The pathology report from endometrial sampling should indicate at least the tumor type and the grade of the lesion. 
Also, as part of the pre-surgical workup, a chest x-ray is often performed as it is universally available, low cost, and has low consequences to production. It also has the chance of detecting lung metastasis, although rare in early-stage disease. Serum CA-125 may be of value in advanced disease or for follow-up. Evaluation for metastasis is usually particularly helpful in patients with abnormal liver function and clinical findings such as parametrial or vaginal tumor extension. In high-risk patients, CT-based imaging of the chest, abdomen, and the pelvis, or even a PET CT scan may help determine the surgical approach. Cystoscopy and or proctoscopy may be helpful if direct extension to the bladder or the rectum is suspected. Okay, we've covered a lot of information so far. Let's take a quick break and come back and talk about the actual staging procedure. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For endometrial carcinoma, the staging is surgical. According to FIGO's 2018 update, full surgical staging may actually not be required for low-risk tumors that are defined as being well-differentiated and who have suspected less than 50% myometrial invasion. Women with these tumors can be safely operated on by a general gynecologist, although I know that makes most general OBGYN physicians somewhat nervous. Patients at greater risk of extrauterine disease or who require lymphadenectomy should, of course, be operated on by gynecological oncologists. A thorough preoperative assessment with particular attention to the pathology and to radiological features has been defined as the most effective strategy for the surgical triage of these patients. Okay, let's talk about the surgical staging procedure in detail now. The recommended surgical staging procedure is the extrafascial total hysterectomy with bilateral sapingo-oophorectomy. Adnexal removal is recommended even if the tubes and ovaries appear normal, and that's because they may contain micrometastasis. Now, in premenopausal women with low-grade and early-stage disease, ovarian preservation may be considered. Vaginal cup removal, however, is not advised, nor is there any benefit from excising parametrial tissue in the usual case. Where obvious cervical stromal involvement was demonstrated preoperatively, a modified radical hysterectomy had been historically performed. However, and here's a clinical pearl, there's now consensus that simple hysterectomy with free margins together with pelvic and periaortic lymph node dissection may be equally sufficient. Traditionally, the recommended procedure included an open laparotomy with a vertical midline incision. It is still recommended that peritoneal washings be taken from the pelvis and the abdomen. 
This is then followed by careful exploration of the intra-abdominal contents, the omentum, liver, peritoneal cul-de-sac, and adnexal surfaces should be examined and ideally palpated for any possible metastasis. After the viscera are both visually inspected and palpated, these procedures should then be followed by careful palpation of any suspicious or enlarged nodes in both the pelvic and aortic area. Well, we've talked about the open laparotomy approach, but what about the laparoscopic approach? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcast family, we've just covered the open and laparoscopic approach to staging, and we talked about lymph node dissection. But here's what's been in part of the debate circles. Does lymph node sampling and removal actually improve survival? Well, lymph adenectomy is required for accurate staging, yet its therapeutic benefits remain somewhat controversial. The utility of lymph adenectomy of the pelvic and periortic areas is actually disputed, although it is currently mandated, as we've just stated, by the current staging system. Here's one thing that is not controversial, however. It is advised that complete lymphadenectomy, which includes the pelvic and the periaortic nodes, be done and reserved for cases with high-risk features. Any deeply invasive tumor or radiological suggestion of positive nodes is an indication for retroperitoneal lymph node evaluation. This might be followed by removal of any large or suspicious nodes. Documentation of positive nodes identifies a high-risk population and helps to tailor adjuvant treatment. Now, we're going to get into the therapy, the treatment plan of endometrial cancer. Not in this podcast, but we'll reserve that for the upcoming part two. Nodal resection also allows for identification of node-negative patients, potentially reducing the need for external beam radiotherapy. Several findings do push for aortic node sampling. These include suspicious aortic or common iliac nodes, grossly positive adnexa, grossly positive pelvic nodes, and high-grade tumors showing full-thickness myometrial invasion. Also, patients with clear cell, papillary serous, or carcinosarcoma histological subtypes are also candidates and should have aortic node sampling. Now that we've covered the staging procedure, let's start wrapping up the podcast by finalizing the staging classification system. Before we get into the specific FIGO surgical staging classification scheme, a quick word about the histopathological report. During staging and pathology interpretation, distance from tumor to uterine serosa should be measured. Other features should also be reported in the pathological report of the hysterectomy specimen. 
For instance, the presence of lymphovascular space invasion has to be noted. This is because patients that are lymphovascular space invasion positive have significantly worse prognosis, especially if the lymphovascular space involvement is extensive. Here is the FIGO endometrial cancer staging scheme. Stage 1 is tumor confined to the uterine corpus. This is divided into stage 1A and stage 1B. Stage 1A is having no or less than half myometrial invasion by the tumor. Stage 1B is invasion that is equal to or more than half of the endometrium. Stage 2 is tumor that invades the cervical stroma but does not extend beyond the uterus. Stage 3 is local and or regional spread of the malignancy. This is divided into stage 3A, B, and C. 3A is where the tumor invades the uterine serosa of the uterine body or the adnexa. Stage 3B includes vaginal involvement and or parametrial involvement by the malignancy. Stage 3C is metastasis to the pelvic or the periaortic lymph nodes. This takes us to stage 4, which is tumor that invades the bladder or the bowel mucosa and or has distant metastasis. This is divided into 4A and 4B. 4A is tumor invasion of the bladder and or bowel mucosa, and stage 4B includes distant metastasis, including intra-abdominal masses and or inguinal lymph nodes. All right, we have wrapped up endometrial carcinoma according to the 2018 FIGO report. This has focused on the pathophysiology, local spread, and the staging procedure. We won't get into the treatment of endometrial cancer this time around, but we'll leave that for the second part of our endometrial cancer 2018 FIGO update. So be on the lookout for part two. Thanks for being a part of the Clinical Pearls family. We'll see you next time on our podcast.